Hello, hello, there we go. Good? <laughs> wow. I forgot to turn the switch on. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome here. Um, as it says, my name is Gil Clausen. I've been a member here at Forest Grove for many years. My wife, Allison, and I have attended here uh, since about 1990. We've been missionaries for a lot of that time. We worked with Youth for Christ for many years, and then we've transitioned to Camp Oshkody. More about that in a minute. I've lived my whole life in Saskatchewan. I'm not sure why. <laughs> in fact, I've heard it's so cold. Like, has it been cold this week or what? Like, I've heard it's so cold that the cows started producing ice cream right away. Like, <laughs> there it is. Uh, and if you don't like ice cream, I've got other good news. Starbucks, they started uh, serving uh, their coffee on a popsicle stick. So, you know it's cold when. But, yeah, it's, <coughs> wow, it's been cold. But, uh, happy new year. Glad to see so many faces out here. And for those of you who uh, couldn't get out, you're watching online, uh, either live or later, just a happy New Year's to you, and, and may God bless you. And uh, I'm, uh, my wife and I have four kids. We've been going here for 30 years, as I said. We, four years ago in 2017, we transitioned uh, from Youth for Christ into a ministry called Camp Oshkity. And there's a picture here. I just want to say a couple of things about Camp Oshkity. First of all, how many people here have been to Camp Oshkity? I know quite a few have. Like, there's about, uh, I don't know, 30% of the hands are up, so it's good. Uh, I have a picture here. Is it up there? Oh, there it is. It doesn't show up there. Okay. Yeah. So, on this cold January morning, just dream for a little bit. <laughs> Camp Oshkody, we are, we're a different camp. We're all about family ministry, which is something that we really love about the ministry of Camp Oshkody, and that is all summer long, we run week-long family camps. So you come and experience creation and God and community all together as a family, and it's just been powerful for since the mid-1970s. So it's been awesome. There's a couple of other things that we do. We run a few other retreats. In fact, in the beginning of March, the first weekend in March, we run a, a marriage pro program. So it's called Marriage Boost, and it's a weekend away with your spouse to build into your relationship and just uh, provide a little bit of a spark in the middle of March or beginning of March. So it's very good. And then something that we just started, we're very excited about this. It's a personal spiritual retreat. It's a four or five day retreat that you come up. We just have a small group of people there. It's actually led uh, by Karen Block, one of the Forest Grove missionaries and longtime members. And it's a time where you just get to relax and be rejuvenated in Jesus and spend time just connecting, again, through God, through creation. Uh, and that's in, in May. So if you want to know anything more about some of that that we do, you can go to our website or you can talk to Allison and myself. And <clears throat> since we started in 2017, we've had some hardships. Uh, in fact, four years ago, at about this time, it was so cold, the one main building we have, it froze up solid. And it's actually when we went to open up for the marriage boost program, we found out that this one building was completely frozen, and so we had to deal with that. And then, in the last four years, we've had two forest fires come through. 
and uh, one on one side one year and one on the other side this last summer. And then, of course, uh, as everybody, we've been dealing with the COVID situation. And actually, so in the summer of 2020, we were not able to run any of our programs. And so we've had our share of challenges, as many of you had. However, God has been good, and God is faithful. And it was actually the summer of 2020, we weren't able to run our programs, but we were able to have some small groups of families come up and do volunteer work. So most of the summer, we got a lot of work done. Um, and every Sunday, we were able to pause, and we were able to have a little chapel time together. And during that chapel time, a theme emerged every Sunday. And the theme was all about Psalm 100. And so every, every Sunday, we gathered around, we read through Psalm 100, we sang a couple of songs, we shared a little bit, and it became kind of a theme verse for us. And so today, I'm going to talk a little bit about Psalm 100, and we're going to ask a question, is God really good? But first, Psalm 100, I'm going to read it here. Uh, this is from the New International Version. I think it's up on the screen. Shout for joy to the Lord, all of the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We're just going to focus on that Psalm 100 verse 5. And there's some kids in the room here. So one of the things we like about at camp is working with kids. And, and with verses, sometimes we do action. So all the kids in the room, I'm, I need your attention for just a couple of minutes. And I need your help to do these actions. So for the Lord is good. So we're going to do this. Adults, you can do this too. And hey, if you're back in the couch, maybe you need to stand up, get off your couch, wake up, I don't know, but you need to do the actions as well. So we're going to do this. Four, the number four. For the Lord, we're pointing up to God. Don, come on, get with the game. <laughs> For the Lord is good. Thumbs up. His Love endures, okay, I don't know how to do this, but this is what I came up with. His love endures forever. and Because in Saskatchewan, if you look around, you can see forever. Okay, all right. So, kids, can you help me out? Okay, here we go. We're going to do this all together. For the Lord is good. I needed my wife up here, okay, so we'll roll back. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever. And I didn't have the actions. Kids, you can work on this later. His faithfulness continues through all generations. <laughs> I hope you can remember this. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever. But then you look at what's been going on in the world. You look at 
your own situation. And I know I asked this question myself. I mean, over and over the Bible says the Lord is good. His love endures forever. But is it really true? Is God really good? I mean, there's pain. There's death. There's mourning. There's disease. There's sickness. There's COVID. There's all of this stuff. And, and we start to question. And we, we wonder, is God really good? And I know I asked the question myself. And so today, just for a few minutes, I'm going to just reflect on three different tensions about that. Is God really good? The first tension is uh, kind of the tension between good and evil. The tension between good and, and evil. And the truth is, not everything is God's fault. Okay? Not every, we blame God for a lot of stuff, but not everything is God's fault. One of Satan's oldest tricks is to get us to doubt God. In the Garden of Eden, even, he, got, he, he talked to Adam and Eve, and he was getting them to doubt God, and he's going like, did God really say that? I think God's holding back on you a little bit. Maybe you need to like, just taste that fruit. Like, Why is he holding back on you? One of Satan's oldest tricks is to get us to doubt God. And he tempts us. I mean, even, even Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And the thing about Satan's temptation is often it comes with an element of truth. I mean, when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, he was actually using some scripture, kind of twisting it around. But, and this is why it's so important for us to be discerning. Because Satan comes to us and he twists lies and he twists scripture around to make us doubt God. And of course, Jesus countered that by quoting scripture and truth. And Jesus himself said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Or some versions say, have it abundantly. So we see clearly here that Jesus is saying, I have come that you may have life. Satan's coming to bring death and destruction. And so there's this tension between good and evil going on. And uh, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, he says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So we're, we're supposed to be alert and of a sober mind, be ready and be aware that Satan is around, ready to devour. And he's trying to get us to doubt that God really loves us, that God really cares for us, and that God is really faithful. And you, you kind of sometimes I wonder, like, okay, God, why did you why did you give us free choice? Like, why, didn't, why doesn't God just, like, orchestrate everything to his perfect will and we would just be in heaven in bliss? And I don't know the answer to that. Although, God really loves us and true love, real love, requires freedom of choice. Otherwise, we're just robots. We're just doing what we are orchestrated to do. And so, the problem with free choice is that we're able to choose right or wrong, good and bad. And so we find ourselves in this tension. 
between good and evil. The second tension that we find ourselves is in is the tension between the creator and the creation. And the reality is, is that God does not have to answer to us. And for me personally, this is a little bit unsettling of a, of a thing to think about. But God doesn't have to answer to us. God doesn't have to tell us why. When we're asking the questions why, he is not obligated to give us a response. I just want to look at two stories in the Bible that kind of illustrate this. And, and the first is the book of Job. And if you know the story of Job, Job was one of the wealthiest men who lived in the era. And he also was a very righteous man. He was God-fearing. And uh, there was this little dialogue in heaven. And so Satan was dialoguing with God. And Satan was just saying, well, of course Job is following you and, and loving you because you're blessing him. And like you take all his blessings away and, and he won't love you. And, and God gave permission for Satan to do that with Job. And so Job lost his, his family, his kids. He lost his wealth. He even lost his health. And uh, friends came along and, you know, they were trying to give him some advice. And, and even his wife came up to him at one point and said, Job, why don't you just give up? Like, just curse God and die already. Like, just do it. But, but Job didn't. He was asking questions. He was asking God, like, why? And in response, God took Job on a little trip, a little nature trip. They went into the creation, and God said, he took Job around, and he said, look at the stars, and, and look at these lands, and look at all these beasts and these animals that I've created. And God's answer to Job wasn't, why is this happening to you? God's answer to Job was, Look at who I am. I am God. I am the creator. And he saw the awesomeness of God. And that, by the way, is one of the reasons why I love camp ministry is because we get out into nature and we see the creation and the awesomeness of God and, and it just, it kind of brings perspective to us. But the reality is, is that God never gave Job an answer why. He just revealed who God is. A, a second story that I want to talk to quickly here is, is the story of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, of course, was Jesus' cousin, and his mission in life was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he was doing that, and people were following him, and he was baptizing. And then, uh, and actually one day Jesus came along and, and saw this, and, and Jesus came down to the river and John actually baptized Jesus. Like, how amazing would that have been? And John baptizes Jesus, and then this dove comes from heaven representing the Spirit of God, and this voice comes down from heaven saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Like, who would not have loved to have been there to experience something like that? That would have been amazing. But then as, as John the Baptist's story goes on, he challenged uh, King Herod on some sinful behavior, and King Herod didn't like it, so he threw John in jail. And uh, so while John was in jail, I don't know what he was thinking exactly, but it kind of sounded like he was almost beginning to question, you know, Jesus, are you the one? Because in Luke 7, verse uh, 
18 and following, he sent the disciples of John the Baptist to Jesus. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah that, sorry, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for somebody else? So John's kind of like, like he, did, he, heard, he heard the voice from heaven, but now he's in jail and in prison, and he's like, okay, is this turning out? Is he actually the Messiah, or should we look for somebody else? So the disciples go to Jesus, and they ask him that question. And in verse 21, it says, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits, and he restored the sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples, go back and tell John, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. He's actually quoting Isaiah, which is a reference pointing to the Messiah. And so he's saying, I am the Messiah. And then in verse 23, and then he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. It's, it's kind of a, an interesting statement that Jesus is saying, and, and people kind of have different thoughts of what was Jesus getting at, what was he meaning, but as I thought through it, and I put myself in, in John's shoes, so here I was, like, I'm preparing the way for the Messiah, I'm baptizing people, I'm preaching, I'm doing all this stuff, preparing the way for the Messiah who's going to come restore the kingdom and, and lead us on, but here I am in jail. And Jesus is out there doing all these miracles, but here I am in jail. And why am I in jail? Like I've been serving God, doing what I'm supposed to, and I'm in jail. And Jesus knew what was about to happen to John. Jesus knew that John was actually going to be beheaded and he was going to die. And Jesus wasn't going to step into John's life and provide a miracle and save him. John was actually going to die. And maybe Jesus was just saying, you know what? Blessed are those who do not fall away on account of me or on account of the things that I do or do not do. And I know in our, our lives, sometimes we think, you know, you, you're going to live the Christian life, you're going to do everything right, you're going to do everything that God asks you to do, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, it's a sweet, nice road, and there's no hardship. But the reality is, that is not true. And the reality is, is that the Creator God is amazing, is awesome, is powerful, is good, and we don't always understand what is going on because we just see a small point of what's going on in our life and we don't see the big picture. And so sometimes it just gets to the point in our lives where we don't understand. God isn't giving us a clear answer and our response is just to trust God. It's, it's, like, it's like Job. Job said, even though God God may slay me, still I will trust in him. And so that leads us to the third tension that's going on. And that this tension is actually what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And it's the tension 
between worship and despair. And I don't know if these are the right two words for this tension, but it's what I used. And I used it based on Isaiah 61, verse 3, where the verse says that he's going to give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. But there's a tension going on of, and the tension could actually be whether we decide to worship God and surrender our lives to God, or whether we decide just, you know what? I don't like the way God's working, and I'm just going to go do things my own way. Because I think I know better. And there's this tension going on. But God inhabits the praise of his people. And it's an interesting thing, as I've looked at a few of the different scriptures, how God works through music. And actually, when we get back to Psalm 100, Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we're instructed to, to bring praise to God. And you know, there's sometimes something that happens when we praise God through music. You look at, and this is kind of weird, but Jericho, the walls of Jericho. And they went to conquer the land. And what did God have them do to conquer the land? He had them like march around the city singing. And it was strange. And after they did this for seven days in obedience, the seventh day, the seventh time, the walls came down and God opened up the land for them. It's kind of weird what happened there. And, and the thing about God is he doesn't always work the same way twice, okay? So it's not like go march around here and sing songs and praise and God's going to bring you the victory necessarily. But then I think about Paul and Silas when they were in prison and they were thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And what did they do? Did they like moan and, and go, oh, woe is me, what's going on? We don't deserve this. No, they actually sat there and they, they sang songs in praise to God. And while they were singing these songs in praise to God, God caused his earthquake to happen, and, and he rescued them. And I don't know if it's because they were singing songs, but it just seems like God works through music. And God, I don't know, his spirit just comes and, he, and it, it softens us. But to be honest, you know, there's times, I've had times where I'm in church or I'm at some event or something, and we're singing songs. And my, my spirit is so broken that I, <laughs> I, do, I can't even sing. All I can do is I can, I can stand there with the fellowship of, of fellow believers and their songs lift me up. And I think this is why Christian community is so important. It's because when we're, when we're struggling, when we're going through hurts and pains and problems and issues, and we might not be able to physically sing, but we can stand up and internally we can be praising God even though verbally we can't get the words. But those who surround us are able to surround us with the praise. So a question I have today is where are you in this tension of worship and despair, in this tension of surrendering your life to God or doing things your own way? Where are you? 
These last couple years, of course, have been, it's been hard. It's been difficult for all of us. And uh, there's, there's a podcast that I came across just recently that I've really enjoyed. It's, uh, it's actually put out by the Billy Graham Association. Uh, and Billy Graham has been one of my heroes. Of course, he's passed away now, but he's a, he's a man that I, I just really respected a lot. And the podcast, is, it's just called, called God, People, and Stories. And uh, if you go, there's, there's some uh, on the website, I think. You can go to sermon notes, and I've linked directly to that. There's follow-up questions and, and stuff going on. But God, people, stories. It's just like a 20-minute sharing of stories. And these sharing of stories are all about how God works. And we need to hear these stories in times of desperation. And these stories I have found very encouraging. And uh, the one, actually, that I really enjoyed and kind of grabbed a hold of is, is about a guy who was born with one leg. And uh, he was born with one leg, and he ended up winning the NCAA uh, wrestling championship in 2011. You're going to have to listen to the story. I'm not going to tell you the story. But the story is all about God's faithfulness, even in spite of what the world might see as limitations. I'm going to call... Uh, Allison, my wife Allison, and the, the worship team is going to come up here in, in a couple of minutes. They're going to lead us in a response song. But I want to go back to Psalm 100, verse 5. And our response, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, I got to do the actions again. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. This phrase is actually repeated throughout scriptures quite a few times. You can do a, a search yourself and see the many times verses say this. It's because we need to be reminded of it all the time. Because we forget. For God so loved the world that he sent his son that we celebrate at Christmas. And he came here as a baby. He lived his life. He died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you, you're going your own way and you're not going God's way, my encouragement to you is trust God with your life, surrender to God, and do things his way because he knows what's best. He is the creator. He is faithful and his love endures forever. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for this reminder that we have that you are good, that you are faithful, and we can trust you even if all around us it seems like the world is falling apart. We know that you are in control. We know that you love us. And you are good. And so my prayer is for anybody that's, that's here in the room or watching this online, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to their hearts right now and leading them to surrender to you, to surrender to your goodness, to surrender to your love, to surrender to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.